We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience Week 5 NFL Recap, NFL Injury Report, maybe some quick pickups. But the way that we're doing this as of this week, and we'll see how the show goes to see if we carry this over into the future, but I thought, hey, you know, where I'm currently at, the places where we go to watch all of the football games at once, uh, you can no longer go inside in these places. So we've rigged up the studio inside PME headquarters to watch all nine games at once. We had nine screens going today, so we figured out we can do that. So if I'm going to be in the office anyway, might as well do a show on Sunday evening to give you people on the West Coast mainly something to watch and listen to in the evening. Or if you're just someone like me who never goes to sleep, you get you know a fresh podcast at like midnight. It's perfect. Uh, we will not have the results of the Sunday night game, obviously, because we're recording this right at the outset of the Sunday night game. But hey, uh, I'm going to do a quick waiver wire and any more breaking news up on Monday afternoon. It's going to be a very short show, but that's going to be like an addendment to this one uh, as we talk through the week. And I just want to have some fun on a Sunday night. Win, lose, whatever. Uh, lose. Uh, unless Matthew Wolf can win in this playoff, which I'm also currently watching out of the right side of uh, my eye. But if he wins, it's going to be a bonanza in terms of winnings. If he loses, it's not going to be so great. Not going to lie to you. Uh, but either way, smash the like button if you're out there. And in the comment section, give me your favorite waiver wire pickup for the week as it stands as you're watching this right now. We're going to get to the waiver wire uh, eventually in terms of quick pickups. I'll do the full waiver wire breakdown on Monday afternoon, like I mentioned. But if you just want to hit the time codes, uh, you can figure out the entire show if there's a specific place that you want to jump to. Remember to rate the Pat Mayo Experience podcast five stars. That would be very helpful. Doing some giveaways soon, and the more times that you can rate and review, especially the podcast, the more chances you're going to have to be in the draw to win potentially some money, some bucks coming at you. If you if we can get to X amount of subscribers, that's going to be coming very, very soon. I promise. Uh, also, FTN 
daily.com in the description of this video. If you use code Mayo, you get 10% off on top of the 25% off, which is already offered. Optimizer, lineup generator, projections, cornerback versus wide receiver index tool, the shadow index. And if you want to play on Showdown and where we're going to have two Monday night games next week, it's just very helpful if you really want to try to smash these contests. Highly recommended, fdndaily.com. Now, the managing editor of all of the FTN sites, FTN Daily, FTN Bets, FTNFantasy.com. Gary and Thorne, out this week. Chris Meany, though, is still here. What's up? What's going on, Pat? Yeah, happy Sunday. Uh, it's a great time to be a sports fan. You say you have golf there in your corner. I have golf over here, NBA playoffs, baseball playoffs. we got Seahawks and Vikings. It's, uh, it's a good Sunday. Yeah, let us know uh, if you enjoy this. It's going to be a very, very casual show. I just want to talk about what we just witnessed, trying to consume everything. Obviously, we'll have it more digested. What I can, I usually wake up very early on Monday mornings and go watch every play of every game. They have like the quick, uh, like thirty minute, like they cut out all the time in between and just go rewatch all the plays. Like when you watch eight games at once and absorb everything. You know, I'm trying to make notes as the day goes along. It's easier with the later slated games when there's only three on the go at one time. But just like, oh yeah, like that. Like something like Colin Johnson in that um, Jacksonville-Houston game, Gardner Minshew was just looking his way all the time. It didn't really come forward on the stat sheet in terms of volume or anything like that. But he was basically the first read for Minshew every single time. And like, I want to find that in some of the other games. But I I guess we should talk about the big story right now. Uh, Dak Prescott, probably done for the year. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, he was having such an unbelievable season. I know a lot of us over at FTN were, were all over his touchdown prop, which was at 27 and a half, and his yardage total. I think he only needed about 300 yards per game to, to pass Peyton Manning's record. He was on pace for 6,700 passing yards this year, and it was just a gruesome injury. It was, it was really hard to watch. I saw it right away, and even Tony Romo, like you, you just hope it's a calf injury. It's like, ah, I mean, his ankle is sideways. It was, it was tough, so... He's undergoing surgery, and now it's the Andy Dalton show. I guess that's the one positive you have if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan or the organization bringing in a veteran quarterback. And, you know, Andy Dalton, from a fantasy standpoint, has been pretty good. Pat, you know this over the years with the Bengals. I I believe one year when he was a top-five quarterback, that was when Andrew Luck was unbelievable and was a top-five quarterback that year, too. He was kind of going toe-to-toe with him. It's been a long time since we've seen that, but there's a ton of weapons surrounding Andy Dalton. But yeah, this is a tough, it's just a, it's been a brutal year for injuries and just, it seems like there's always one big name that goes down every week. And that was the one with that, with Dak this week. It's funny before it happened, maybe I put the the hex on it, but I started to do up the injury report for the week and just trying to jot down all the names. Like there's not an awful lot of injuries this week. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's games that have been completely canceled, mind you, but uh, no like huge things. I was doing up the running back waiver wires. Like there's no like must go add guy this week. Like no one really went down and we have other guys coming back eventually. Then Dak goes down. It sucks. What do you make of Dallas with Andy Dalton? They're still the favorites to win this division, right? Yeah, they are. Um, Absolutely. I think we said this last week too, even though the Eagles, I thought they put up a pretty good fight against the Steelers, but that's it. They're just going to put up good fights. I still think that they're the, they're the favorites. Their defense obviously is, is not going to get any better anytime soon. They made a couple plays, but it was against Daniel Jones. Um, they squeaked out a win and good for them, but I still think they're the favorites and, you know, maybe they'll lean on Zeke a little bit more. I, I, I feel like maybe he'll, even though he's always near the top pat in terms of just t- touches and opportunities, he's always going to get those red zone carries. He's probably never going to catch as many balls as he did a couple of years ago in this offense, but 
I just feel like he'll probably be a guy that touches the ball at least 20 times a week, try to, you know, just keep the offense simple, slow the pace down a little bit because heading into this week, and it was a little bit of, there's two ways you could look at it. Like nobody had more plays than Dallas. Nobody was running more plays. Nobody was running more routes than all of their wide receivers. All three of them were in the top five in routes of run uh, heading into this week. And they're just playing from behind a ton. So I thought today, they did a decent job. One drive was seven minutes long. I thought that was their best drive of the season. Yeah, they can strike fast. But I thought the fact that they kept their defense on the sideline, slowed the pace down, gave it to Zeke a couple times. He ran it in. Maybe they just changed their offense slightly. But I looked at Dalton. I wrote it down here. And just it was obviously a very small sample size. Three passes to Gallup, three to Cooper, three to Lamb. I mean, he's going to use all of these guys. There's not one that really jumps out. Amari Cooper was quiet. First play, I believe he went to Amari Cooper in that game when he came in. So I still think that they're they're overall favorites in this division because of how bad it is and just how potent that offense still can be. Well, do you think that Tony Pollard was playing so much because Zeke deflected that pass that ended up going for the pick six? Or is this just a natural way that they want to integrate him in? Because... I, the one big thing is like Dalton could definitely be a top 10 quarterback. Uh, he's probably a yep. fringe QB one the rest of the season just because you kind of hit it. They're always down, but that's not going to change. It's not like they're de- It's not like Dak got hurt and all of a sudden their defense isn't the shittiest in the league. It still sucks. So I would expect Dalton to be throwing like 40 plus times a game. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And that's why he, I mean, you probably undercut it a little bit as a top 10 quarterback. I mean, he probably honestly has the upside to be six or seven. That uh, high in this yeah, offense. I see. I say no, because he doesn't run. Maybe he will like call his own number at the goal line. Maybe that's how he'll end up getting there. But when we just look at the very top, except for Aaron Rodgers, it's essentially you need to be a running quarterback and get those rushing points. Yeah, it, that's fair. It's a good point. I mean, Dak had the, the what did he have? Three rushing touchdowns in, in week two. So yeah, Dalton's never been that guy. Not to say that he can't run. I'm just quickly looking at some of his numbers, you know, 200 rushing yards is nothing to be all that excited of. One season, he had four rushing touchdowns. Actually, four seasons, he had four rushing touchdowns. So the last time he played, he had four rushing touchdowns in 2019 with the Bengals. So it's not to say that he can't, but he obviously doesn't have the same type of upside as Dak. Well, let's stick in the AFCs. You got your boys, the Eagles, who didn't look good, but that game was really close for the entire time. They couldn't cover Canadian sensation, Chase Claypool. Uh, so like both of the big pickups that people will want to know about waiver wire wise at receiver were both in that game. I just want to talk about the Eagles on the whole though. Lane Johnson gets carted off in this game. So that's not getting any better, but it does look like Alshon and Deshaun might be coming back soon. Maybe, maybe Goddard will return within like the next three weeks. I don't know, but eventually their team will get up to that. And there's still only a half game out of the division. Then you look down, Washington did not look good, but their defense is getting healthier. Like their defense looks pretty good. And maybe if you give Alex Smith a week of practice, that he could be okay. We talked about this last week and it happened. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we did. Yeah. It, it's such a cool moment, right? I mean, we started off talking about Dak and, you know, all the best to him, of course, but what a cool moment for Alex Smith to get in there and, and take a snap and stay under center because it looked like Kyle Allen from watching the game. And I know you were watching it, by the way, wicked setup that you have there with all the screens <laughs> in the office. That's great. Uh, but watching that game, it, you know, the announcer said that Allen was clear to go back in, but they, you know, they just kept with Alex Smith. So He's a game manager. He's not the best fantasy quarterback, but over the course of his career, he's won football games and he's kept team his team in it multiple times on mediocre teams, mediocre teams at the San Fran and, um, you know, mediocre teams with the Chiefs, really, I, I thought. And so 
I mean, I don't like them to win the division. I still like it, Dallas, but it's completely wide open. It's, it's, it's nothing, nothing's going to change. We just saw Dallas get a win barely against the Giants, even with Dak at, at the time healthy. They were struggling to, to stay in that game. So Alex Smith is interesting. The Eagles probably are going to get healthy, but they got the Ravens this week. And then they got Cleveland after the bye, which I have a lot of respect for their defense. They can get after the quarterback. So there's still a ton of holes on that offensive line. And I don't know what really Alshon Jeffrey or Deshaun Jackson have to offer. Travis Fulgham, uh, <laughs> it's been two straight weeks where he showed up. I, I, you know, the touchdown he had last week was a little fluky. I thought he bobbled it, but this week he was a weapon and 13 targets, 10 catches, 152 yards. Carson Wentz looked his way quite a bit. And I don't know if I have a con- enough confidence to start him against the Ravens, but if you're in a pinch and you're in a deep league, he might be a part of this offense going forward. Um, and it was a six round pick against with Detroit a couple of years ago. He's not like a terrific talent, but he looked pretty good, Pat. I know you watched, like he was hauling in some nice catches. He was, it, 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 he had almost like the Greg Ward effect from before where just any time yeah. that you threw the ball in Greg Ward's direction, he just caught it at the end of last year. Now I guess Fulgham's that guy. But once these other bodies start coming back, are we really going to see, you know, double digit target games for him? Like I was going, I was trying to like piece together my waiver wire pickups at receiver. Like T Higgins is still out there. He still put up a decent game uh, this week. I still think he would be the best guy to go at. I had Claypool over Fulham. Like I still have rugs over Fulham, Nikhil Harry. Yeah. I have Claypool over and Preston Williams, Marcus Veldes, Scantling. Like I just don't know how sustainable this is. I could be missing out here though. I mean, if you want to talk me around, go in. Fuck. Ah. <laughs> Wolf had a putt what? to win. Yeah, he, he, he did not hit it. Did he lip out? <laughs> no, he missed it by like an inch to the left. He had the perfect weight, though. So maybe ah. if, as long as Laird doesn't hit this putt, we go to whole playoff hole number two. Uh, <laughs> at receiver, though, like, would you like, w- but Deontay Johnson not leaving this game with a back injury was a big reason to open up Claypool. Not to say that he wouldn't have scored two touchdowns instead of four, but Deontay Johnson's presence not on the field really did help out Claypool here. So if Johnson is back next week, what do we expect from Claypool? Yeah, it's a, it's a good point, but at the same time, like Slay was on Johnson, so Claypool, and there was a couple moments in that game when when Johnson left, even Slay went at Claypool, and Claypool just, you know, he schooled him a couple times. This is this is a good wide receiver, and the Steelers just have a history of finding these guys throughout the draft. Great, look, looking like a steal, absolutely. Uh, he's got speed. He runs nice routes. I, I thought another touchdown. He should have had. He should have had four, because or he should have had five. Because there was a play where yeah, Slay the, the, got the penalty. Did you see when he pushed Slay? He hardly touched him. Yeah, well, on the back. He, he can't. He can't have a guy scoring five touchdowns in a game. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But you you do bring up a good point. But I still think like he is. You know, he could be used in the red zone. We we saw right away in in week one and week two. He caught a red zone touchdown pass, uh, an end zone target from Big Ben. And you know when Big Ben. You know, he's just a couple years removed from leading this league in, in passing attempts and yards. So he's still going to chuck it. And even if, you know, Johnson does come back, I still think Claypool is is an interesting piece because I always think that I feel like Johnson is going to continue to get that top coverage. And, and Juju just, I don't know, man, like Juju just, he's not consistent and he hasn't been consistent since that big season. But I think Claypool is, you're right, he's up at the top. I would rather have him than Fulgham. I'd rather have Williams. I think you mentioned Ruggs, Chenault. How about Chenault? Like he was dropped because of a disappointing Thursday night game against Miami a couple weeks ago, he had seven for 79. His ownership is hovering around 30%, I believe. Christian Kirk is another guy who people gave up on five for 78. He's got the Cowboys coming up this week. 
you mentioned Higgins, you know, Brennan Cooks could have been dropped. He's going to be boomer bust. But these are guys that I probably would rather have than Fulgham. But it's not because I think Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey will cut into it. I just don't think that this is a great offense in Philly. No, it's not necessarily that they specifically will cut into it, but they'll steal away snaps, just like Hightower will, just like Ward will. They'll steal away targets. And when Goddard comes back, like everyone's talking about Zach Ertz being dust and just absolutely washed in this offense. And no, he doesn't look good. But all teams are doing is just taking Zach Ertz out. It's so easy. It actually bothers me to hear people say that he's that he's dust. And it's not because I like the Eagles, because he's a good tight end. He he's not elite like Kelsey and Kittle, but he was third at the position in catches heading into this week. It's just you're you're dead on. When there's nobody else on the field, he gets taken away. As we saw it in prime time last week, you know, on Sunday night football, he was just absolutely double teamed every time. I think he had like five catches for nine yards. It's just he he's not getting open down the field. He's really only using the red zone or when the Eagles go for two. So until those guys get back, you know, Zach Ertz is somebody that I, I don't know if I would start, right? I don't I I don't know. Like who would you rather have? I know it's Tanya and we can all laugh about Tanya being tight end one right now, but he gets the ball down the field and he's not getting double teamed. When Devontae Adams comes back, there'll be a little bit more soft coverage. So I think Ertz is somebody that maybe you can buy low on, but I don't, at the same time, I don't feel comfortable starting him, Pat. This week against the Ravens, it's probably going to be another dead game. Yeah, that's not great news. Ertz is one of, is in this like weird scenario where if you wanted to drop him, I couldn't really talk yep. you out of it. But if you also wanted to buy low on him, I also be like, yeah, I can I know. see it. It's just, yeah. it's, it's such a mystery of, is he actually done or is this all just coverage based stuff? Like, and whenever, everyone comes back will he be good I have no idea <laughs> I think when everyone comes back it, it'll be good news for him I mean you look at the couple weeks to start when Dallas Goddard was there five for 42 seven for 70 you look at a couple weeks towards the end of last season when Dallas Goddard was on the field it was it was good news for him so I think you know and the schedule does open up as much as I said Cleveland you know they have the Giants and the Cowboys after Baltimore they have Seattle you know, they have Arizona. There, there's a couple decent matchups for, for Ertz, but I'm with you. Like, you could have better options. We can go through them. I mean, who would you rather have, Schultz or yeah, Ertz? Yeah, I, I still have... Maybe not Schultz now, maybe not. I, I don't know. I, it's going to be weird to see if, like, Schultz ends up becoming... If they're going to continue to be down. Like, the tentative tight end rankings that I had right now was Schultz, Tanyan, Jimmy Graham, Ebron, Logan Thomas, Mo Alley Cox, and Greg Olson. Like, the top three, Schultz, Tanyan, and Graham, I think you should probably own. Other than that, yeah. it's like you're rolling the dice. I will say this about Mo Ali Cox. This is two straight weeks now, Trey Burton. And Trey Burton, his first game, week four, he led all tight ends and targets and catches on the team, five and two for 16. It's nothing to get excited about. But again, today, six targets, five catches uh, for 33 yards. And I don't believe Doyle or Mo Ali Cox even had a catch. And they combined for three targets. So, I mean, Trey Burton, there's a connection there with Frank Reich. Obviously, he likes him, brought him back. Uh, on his offense and you know, we know about Philip Rivers so it's it I'm not saying that Burton is somebody that I like but maybe Moali Cox just maybe we need to temper ex- expectations with him moving forward yeah for a while like Marcus Johnson was just hauling down a few catches in that game I was like who the hell is this guy it's like they have another tight end it's like oh no that's Marcus Johnson he's just a giant receiver so yeah I think those top three tight ends like Moali Cox didn't have a target to like the very end of the game he's going to be useful in some spots but it's just another one of these congestion problems once you have so many of people at the same position like what's going to end up happening in Philly that it's just going to be tough I want to go back to receiver for a second like Claypool wouldn't be your number one pickup would he uh out of some of the guys that we mentioned yeah i think so like would you go I think so would you, would you go t higgins or would you go uh claypool the rest of the year 
I would go Claypool. It's close to me. And, and AJ Green looks absolutely washed. We talked about him a couple and, times. And he got hurt. I, he got hurt. And then I heard him. I, I guess I didn't hear him, but it did look like he was like effing trade me or something. I saw that on the screen because he's not really getting used. But uh, I, I would go Claypool there again. It's it's just it's it's a better offense. Let's just take a look at the schedule. I mean, Tennessee, Dallas, Cincinnati, Jacksonville, Washington, week 13. Some some good spots for him uh, moving forward after this game. So I, I really would go Claypool. But how many times have you and I and and Gary and and a lot of other people in this industry have talked about selling high on a player who comes off a big game. Like if you are a Claypool owner by chance, it is possible you own him. It's likely you didn't start him. I, again, you need to just who owns Julio Jones, who owns AJ Brown, who owns Michael Thomas. Obviously, not going to play tomorrow. Got the bye week, week seven. Uh, I. I would field offers just in case because he probably still is the third option in this passing attack. I think I would rather have T Higgins because I think he could be the number one on Cincinnati. And even against a tough Baltimore defense, he still put up like four for 60. Like it's not a great game, but at least I don't know if that's necessarily going to be quote unquote his floor going forward. But if that's the type of game he can come up when nothing is going right for Cincinnati, you know, when they're not playing the Ravens, it could be all right. The problem with them is the, you know, they get the Steelers, the Browns defense is way better now. And the Ravens, once again, that that's a bit of a problem that your in division games are going to be tough, but almost against everyone else. T Higgins should be pretty good. Yeah. He's got Pittsburgh weeks and Pittsburgh week 15, but I mean, worry about in week 15 because the stretch in between is awesome. Washington week 11 giants week 12, Miami week 13, then Dallas week 14. So yeah, I like Higgins too. I like both of those guys. Yeah. Higgins is now first on the team in air yards since week two, after that big week one game from AJ green, it's basically been Higgins in the red zone too. Uh, his two touchdowns against the Eagles came in the red zone. He's He's been used there. And, and you know what, Pat? Maybe that is his floor. Maybe not four for 62, but maybe four for 40, four for 45. I mean, six targets, nine targets, seven, eight. That's pretty decent. Yeah, and A.J. Green's dealing with a quote-unquote hamstring injury, but I don't know if this is the last we've seen of A.J. Green, but it just seems like he's getting worked out of this offense. Like the other guys that I currently had in between, maybe I'll move Claypool ahead of Preston Williams. Would you go Marcus Valdez-Scantling with Lazard going to be out for a while, those bye weeks now done, uh, or Claypool? I would go Claypool, yeah. I, I Again, I just think there's a, a little bit of a higher ceiling. MVS, we just, he's just more frustrating than not. I know like Sealy was trying to trade me him yesterday and it's like, you know, you have Lazard, he's the number two there. It's like, sure, but Rogers just throws to the running backs or Adams. Like, <laughs> what are we really thinking from MVS? Like four for 45. There's just, there isn't a high ceiling there with, with MVS. So I would go Claypool ahead of him. I would have Ruggs ahead of him, Chenault. Kirk, like I said, I think Kirk is interesting. I know it's all Hopkins and Chase Edmonds, but this is a good game against the Cowboys. And Kirk has been involved in the offense for two straight weeks now. And then Chenault. I like Chenault. And Ruggs is a bit of a boomer bust. I think what we saw, like that big play, he's probably going to do that every other game. But he's he would come down the list for me just because the volume just probably will never be there. And Carr, like I want to give some respect to Carr. He, that was an impressive game for him today against the Chiefs. He really doesn't zone in on anybody outside of Waller. He spreads the ball around to all of his weapons. He's very accurate. I was impressed with his game today. Yeah, so there's four teams on by. Let's talk about the schedule for a second because it's all fucked up now. Uh, the Chargers, Saints, Raiders, and Seahawks will have a bye in week six. The Chargers did not have a bye in week six initially, but they do now because everything has been moved around. So Denver and the Patriots from this week moves to week six. So 
that's apparently still going to happen. Good news for the Patriots. They'll get probably both Cam and Gilmore back for that game. Maybe Drew Locke ends up back for the Broncos. Fant might end up back for the Broncos. He never actually missed a game from them. You missed the week, but their bye weeks are now gone for the moment. Uh, Then we'll have Kansas City and Buffalo moves from Thursday to Monday. The Monday doubleheader next week is, it's so, I mean, I don't want to say this is the reason that it's unfortunate that that got hurt, but we would have had Arizona at Dallas, which we still do, but it's with Andy Dalton. So we would have had Mm. Kyler at Dak and then Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. That, That would have been a great Monday night. Yeah, I really would. I, I love watching Arizona play football. I, I just, I, I'm a big Kyler fan. I, I really like it. I mean, he's, Drake finally got in the end zone there, but he's still another touchdown from him with another juke on the line. He's, he's really fun to watch. And this Bills team is, is also really, really fun to watch. And Kansas City, I, I feel like they should have a couple losses this year, right? They squeak one out against the Chargers. I thought the Pats played them very, very tough with no Cam Newton. And then today, you know, talking about Carr and, and company with Vegas. So really looking forward to that Chiefs-Bills game. And, I mean, I think the Bills are going to play Tuesday, I believe. I, I'd imagine they just beat up on on the Titans if that game does happen. But it could potentially be a trap, a look ahead. But that two, good, two great games, uh, Monday Night Football, you're right. It's really tough to know, like, because it does look like the Tennessee game is going to happen, but I also thought that last night at this time, and then I woke up this morning, it's like, oh, good, another positive test. Is it going to get pushed? And then it didn't. Uh, but if we wake up on Monday morning, then, like, someone else has tested positive. Like, it's not going to happen. And then the schedule gets blown up all again. So the Jets play Miami next week that's been moved from week 10 to week six the jets at the chargers moves from week six to week 11 and feinberg is furious because that is the same week as the masters Masters. so he initially the chargers had a bye week on Masters sunday now they don't he's like fucking out of his mind about it it's pretty funny (laughs) (laughs) i saw that tweet from him yeah he he lost his masters week um I don't know what to say about it. I, I, really, I can, really don't. Considering um, we're doing a live show right now and I have a football game and a golf game and a basketball yeah. game in the background, I think he can sort it out. But Jeff is not the most technologically savvy person in the world. I'm going to have to go over to his house and, and help him out with that one. The other What's game, he going to say to you this week when, well, Joe Burrow looked really bad. Yeah, Obviously, it was Baltimore. I don't want to blame it on him. But what's he going to say to you if, if Justin Herbert somehow finds a way to pull out a W? Oh, my I God. I watched that segment. It was must-watch TV. It was hilarious. You're dead on, by the by the way, in terms of writers and and how they vote. And I liked his point of view at the same time as well as value on Justin Herbert. But uh, I'd imagine he'll just forget about Masters Week if Herbert can pull out a W tomorrow. I suppose that's true, unless he has someone like in the final pairing with some cash on the line. But my point was never that it was a bad bet. I was just like, he's not going to win. Uh, he would have to. Right. And my point was, he would have to make the playoffs to win, and Burrow would have to miss it. That was my point. He just didn't want to hear that. No, he didn't. He no. thought he thought it was insulting to Justin Herbert. <laughs> like I care about Justin Herbert. Yeah, I was just gonna say that because you give a shit about Justin Herbert. Like you could care less about Justin Herbert. Uh, you know he has been impressive. He's top five in passing yards and passing yards per attempt and completion percentage. He's been really, really good. But uh, he, I, again, you, you were right. You were right with your point. Uh, let's see. The Jags and Chargers goes from week eight to week seven. The Chargers got fucked in all of this, and like they didn't even do anything. I guess they knew it was like, well, it's the Chargers. No one really cares, so we can just move them around as much as we want. So the Chargers Broncos goes from week eleven to week eight, and Chargers Dolphins goes from week seven to week ten, and then the Dolphins Broncos goes from week six to week eleven. Now the Chargers are just randomly on bye week next week. <laughs> Man. 
what a shit show. Like it's, it's very confusing. You got to write this stuff down. I've written it down a couple times just to try to keep track of it. It is, it is wild, but yeah, you're right. It looks like the chargers are getting screwed out of all of this. And now they are probably without Austin Eckler for what, at least six weeks, some reports, uh, nothing is confirmed, but last I heard it was at least six weeks, which is, which is not good news at all. So the rookie is going to be in tough. Yeah, I'm curious to see how the split goes between Kelly and Jackson on Monday night. And I don't even know if that's going to be like indicative of how it goes forward. But I think that not necessarily that people are sleeping on Justin Jackson, but he may play a larger role than people think in that backfield. Yeah, we may find out right away. Actually, you're right. I don't think we can take too much out of week one. The Saints haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher in 47 straight games. So it's going to be pretty tough for Kelly and Jackson to get anything on the ground against them, but we'll probably get a decent feel of maybe who the, the pass catcher will be, right? Cause both can catch. And for, for Kelly, nothing through the air in week one, but he caught all seven of his targets over the previous three weeks. I put a prop on FTN bets already. Um, I think is 17 and a half receiving yards. I took the over on that because I just feel like it's going to be tough for either of those guys to get anything on the ground against the saints. They just don't give up anything. So I think we'll, we'll get a good feel. Like if Kelly can catch three or four balls or it's Jackson, maybe that's catching three or four balls. There's obviously some value to be had with both of those guys. I don't think they're as, as talented as, as a Gordon and an Eckler, but those guys were both productive in this offense a couple of years ago and last year and Eckler and Kelly were both productive. You could have started them uh, once or twice this year as well. I don't suggest having them both in the same team, but they both can be guys that you plug in and this running back, you know, the landscape is, is so brutal out there. So Jackson could be, I think it's Kelly. I think the answer is Kelly. I think he's always going to have more carries than, than Jackson, but that doesn't mean to say Pat that Jackson can't be a flex guy or like a top 36 back in PPR leagues. No, uh, absolutely. And listen, I think it's Kelly as well. I just, I'm not like, well, hundred percent confidence in that pick. It'd be like, no, you yeah, can't. I'm like, I'm like 60% confident in that pick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can't be confident. No. Um, so what else stuck out to you about this schedule? Like, this isn't going to be the end of it. We know that, right? No, I unfortunately, probably not. The way that COVID is trending up, seems like it's trending up everywhere. So this isn't going to be the end of it. It's it's a nightmare to be a commissioner. I said a couple weeks ago, you know, send your commissioner a 2-4, a six-pack, anything, uh, whatever it is he likes to enjoy or she likes to enjoy hook them up because it's going to be tough. It's, it really is going to be tough. And in a couple of my leagues, we're, we're, we're suggesting alternates. Like if, you know, Josh Allen doesn't go, I want Teddy Bridgewater points, but I'm starting Josh Allen. Like you need to get creative maybe and you need to try to just change rules and just, you know, hopefully it just benefits everybody in, in your league. You don't want to see the same teams taking zeros. And, you know, I, I, there's a guy in my league that last week got burned with Connor and Henry. And now this week is Henry going to play. We, we, we just don't know. And then, the whole Patriots situation in the Broncos. So it's, it's tough. It's probably not going to be the end of it. I just, my biggest takeaway here from fantasy, it's brand new. I've changed my tune a, a couple times, but it's, it's all about strategy In years past. I have no problem trading like three for one, like get that big stud. But now I'm like, you know what? Maybe I want to keep my death. You know, somebody offered me Josh Allen for, you know, three pieces that, that I don't necessarily love. Like one was chase Edmonds, but Hey, maybe I'm going to need chase Edmonds. Could have started chase Edmonds as a flex today. And, he could have did all right having him, him in there. So I, I think it's important. I never like to carry two tight ends or two quarterbacks, but I think it's important to do that more more times this year than in years past. Don't you think? It's important to have depth, I think. Uh, I think it depends on where that depth is and who you're carrying. I just lost my golf bet as Martin Laird won in a playoff. Ah, 
Come on, Matthew Wolf. Get it together. This is, tw- this is like twice in four weeks that Matthew Wolf has just absolutely, absolutely ripped my heart out with a second place finish. I'm like, oh, my God. That, Terrible that's news. That's a heartbreaker. Terrible news. Watching it in real time is not great. Um, fuck! I need to regroup. I think it depends on the backups that you actually have. So if you have a capable quarterback, too, you should probably keep him at this point. If you have a capable... I would prefer to have all these like high end running backs uh, as backups. To tell you the truth, like just having Mike Davis on so many teams from the draft has really helped me a lot. Now it's the same people are still sitting on Alexander Madison, waiting on Delvin Cook to get hurt, or whoever it might be, Tony Pollard with Zeke owners, and even Edmonds with the Kenyon Drakes of the world. That if that one guy goes down, they just take over this entire role. But I think that's the type of player that you really want to keep on your bench. Not necessarily the wide receiver five, like oh, but all my guys are hurt and I need to go plug someone in. Yeah, that's fine, but you could probably still go pick that guy up off the, off the waiver wire if you really wanted to, that I would want to have high-end bench players on my team. So even in the three-for-one, it depend. It really would depend on who those three are. Yeah, no, I, it's for sure. It's all about context. Like, if you can get a Michael Thomas or Julio Jones, I, I would I would do it. I mean, those, those guys are game changers. If, just to think about your roster and plug them in. For like a week 14 or a week 13 to get to fantasy football playoffs is could be a huge difference. Mike Davis has been unbelievable. And, and you had said you thought that his usage would be very similar to CMC. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. I kind of chuckled and thought, mm, I don't know. But this guy's got 30 catches on 33 targets in what, 14 quarters? Like basically 14 quarters. Yeah, I, I I have it right here. Mike Davis's 16 game pace as a receiver since McCaffrey went down, he would be um, 158 catches. Wow, my goodness, Teddy Bridgewater, just check it down. But he and he's been so efficient catching them too. I, I wrote him up at FTN as a as a sneaky little play to pair up with Bridgewater. The Falcons had allowed three receiving touchdowns to running backs. It sometimes you just that's how. I feel anyways that sometimes I can get the edge if my quarterback throws a, a touchdown to my running back. And we saw it. And we've seen it a couple times so far this year. He has two receiving touchdowns. So, yeah, he's just getting a ton of work. He was second in among running backs and target share heading into this week behind Alvin Kamara. And that was higher than basically right around the same pace as what CMC was doing. So 150-plus catches is phenomenal. And a lot of questions that I'm getting, like, what do I do with Mike Davis? I still feel like – you should probably sell high, but again, yeah, you but, could be but, in a situation but, 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 but where... What, but what are you selling him for? And everyone knows... Julio McCaffrey. Jones. I saw him go for Julio no, Jones this morning. No, you didn't. No I one did. is making that trade. I did. I saw him. It was a big, a, a huge show in our, our chat league, this controversy. But Buddy needed a running back. He had no running back to play. He was worried about Henry, and that was his RB1. So he needed a running back to play. He had all these wide receivers. He traded Julio for him straight up. I think it's a bad deal. He's going to get the win this week. I don't I don't know. Maybe he'll get it another week. Maybe CMC suffers a setback and Davis is is fine, but you'd be surprised, man. Like he was the most traded player in fantasy football in CBS leagues over the past 10 days. Like he has been he's the poster boy for maybe a sell high, but what can you get? I don't know. Like I wouldn't give up Julio for him, but there's people in your leagues that are crazy. But but the the way that I would approach it, like as a Mike Davis owner, is you just ride Mike Davis until you can't ride him anymore. Because I, I, agree. I at least in my mind, like who are you actually getting for him? No one. You're getting less than what he'd be worth the play. 
And if all of a sudden McCaffrey comes back and gets hurt again, you have a top 10 running back. Like that's the reason I, that you drafted him and picked him up in the first place. So, and no one is I giving mean, you top 10 running back. unless, Yeah. Unless someone's trading you Julio for him or Michael Thomas, who's no longer playing on Monday night because of disciplinary reasons, apparently got into a fight with someone at practice, but like, unless it's a stud that you're getting back for Mike Davis, you might as well just keep Mike Davis. Don't sell him for the sake of selling him. No, I do, I do agree with that. Yeah. I, hundred <laughs> percent. I wouldn't have traded Julio Jones for Mike Davis. I just saw said it happened. So yeah. And unless, unless you're right, unless you're getting a stud, I can't even think of a running back who has been brutal that I would want like Drake. I don't know. Could you get Drake for him? Yeah, but I, you probably could get Drake for him right now. That's actually an interesting one. Like if you wanted to take those, like were valued, probably overvalued coming into the year by me, especially I love Drake and it turns out he's not good, but it, all those guys, like even, I guess Miles Sanders broke off the big one today. So he wouldn't fall into that category. Like are people getting sick of Clyde Edwards Hilaria? Maybe <laughs> I've heard a lot of rumblings about Clyde Edwards Hilaria. And then in a smash spot this week against the Raiders, nobody had allowed more fantasy points to running backs. Nobody allowed more touchdowns to running backs. And then he, he disappointed everybody. He was complete chalk in DFS. He, he was he was bad. So I, I I mean it's not something that maybe he's available. I don't know. Like as this, as an owner myself, I wouldn't deal him, but it, it is possible. Um, you know Drake is Drake is interesting because every single week, Pat, he does still finish like near the top. Like he had 18 carries this week. Only four more running backs. Only four running backs had more carries than him. He's not getting the catches, which is disappointing. It's all going to Edmonds. I would take Drake over Davis the rest of the year. It's, but I, again, I don't, okay, I don't think I, it's Well, here, here, I, I think here's the way that you need to think about this, is that we're probably at least one more week without McCaffrey, probably two. He's eligible to return from the injured reserve, but at the same time, he's probably not going to play next week. Um, so uh, because of that, you have to think about, well, what is Drake the rest of the season? Am I better off with Mike Davis with one or two more games as being a top 10 running back with the chance that if McCaffrey goes down again, that I have him back. So you try to write in whatever percentage you might think that is. We're dealing with a guy with a soft tissue injury. It could re-aggravate itself and McCaffrey will just be like, yeah, I'm done for the year. Like I can't walk anymore. And then you get Mike Davis or you have Kenyon Drake. Who's what? I mean, really, what's the difference between like Le'Veon Bell and Kenyon Drake at this point? Yeah, and Bell, I I wouldn't want to touch at all. I just don't want anyone in that Giants offense besides Crowder. He just, every single week, whatever, seven for 115, seven for 104, eight for 116. He just he just does the same thing every week. But Well, here, here's a I'm fun just, one. I, I bet yeah. on Jeff Smith over three and a half receptions at plus money. I see why it's plus money now. He had 11 targets in three catches. That's awful. That's that's brutal. Uh and, and, you know, we're always on Sammy boy all the time, but it's just, they just need to shake up offensively from, from Gase. But yeah, that's awful. I mean, 11 targets. I saw he had 11 targets. I didn't know he only hauled in three of them. <laughs> yeah, that's pathetic. I don't know what to say about that, Pat. That's, well, yeah. that's just a bad beat. Well, I mean, it, I, I feel good about that. Very rarely is my process ever very good, but that one I feel like is good. If you give me 11 targets and the prop is three and a half, I'm going to bet over on that every single time. He did drop. I also bet him to score a touchdown, which was six to one. And for his fourth catch, he dropped a touchdown, which was just very tilting. 
Yeah, that is tilting. You know, there's, it's interesting. There, there's a few backs that I feel like their prop totals are low. Like I, I'm just checking out some of my, JD McKissick over two and a half. It was plus 105. Got that one pretty early. Uh, Antonio Gibson, two and a half. That was plus 102. Got that one pretty early as well. Gibson, 16.5 receiving yards. Some of these backs on bad teams or players on bad teams, like, you know, Smith, I feel like kind of just get overlooked or, you know, maybe just Vegas just tosses it out there. Sometimes I feel like it's a bit of a trap like Freeman too. Freeman 19.5 receiving yards got that in the first quarter and then you know it's looking like he could have a huge day through the air and then he doesn't do anything since but some of these running backs on bad teams like Gibson have this written down too Gibson and uh, McKissick come on for 11 catches and this week and nine catches last week and if Terry McLaurin I love him but if Alex Smith and him can't get on the same page and it's just one game very small sample size but if the top corner is always going to be on McLaurin be a lot of checkdowns for some of these running backs also have value in PPR leagues. Yeah, I think this is if you're gonna go buy low on anyone, I think this is the time now for McLaurin. Like he's gone the Eagles, he got slick. Yes. He got Peterson on the Cardinals, he got Denzel Ward on the Browns. Last week he had was it Jimmy Smith who was on him? Was it Humphreys who was on him? The Ravens have a good pass defense. And he still was able through four weeks, was able to put out points. Then he got Ramsey this week. Now he goes Giants, Cowboys, Giants, Lions, Bengals, Cowboys. Uh, it's going to be good news for old scorer McLaurin here soon. Yeah, does it doesn't get any better than that. You have Giants, Cowboys, Giants, Lions, Bengals, Cowboys. Wow. Yeah, I agree. And the volume is still there. I, you know, I watched every snap of, of that game. I'm with you. I had all the, all the games on and I was just really rooting for Alex Smith, but he did look his way. The fact that, you know, seven targets is, is his floor. That's he's never had fewer than seven targets this year. Yeah. He's, he's a great buy low. I wonder how people feel about him because he's always ranked near the top, even this week against the Rams and seeing Ramsey, he was ranked as a, you know, a top 15 wide receiver. Oh, see, you, sh- you should have consulted the Pat Mayo rankings. I think I had him a 30. Maybe that's yeah. Cute. I had him late twenties too, so you and I are on the same page there. I've I have respect for Ramsey. It's not nothing to do with Terry McLaurin, right? It's just you're, you you just rattled off some of the games that he had against top corners. It's it's tough when you're the only weapon on your team. Yeah, he's probably a top a very high end wide receiver too the rest of the season, uh, and he will not be valued that way right now. One of the very interesting guy that I found this week, someone we talked about as a potential sell because of the tough schedule that he had coming up. He didn't do anything this week, and I'd be shocked if he did anything the next two weeks either, but it is nice to see Joe Mixon, six targets to Giovanni Bernard's two. Last week, turns out, was not an aberration. This is just how they're using Joe Mixon now, which is really encouraging to see once he gets out of this tough stretch. Absolutely. I agree. And you, I mean, you could have, you could have bought low. He's been a buy low for every single, I write, write buy lows on Wednesday. Every yeah, single week I put you, him in you, there. You couldn't have bought low on him after last week. You couldn't, you couldn't, you could have potentially flipped him and sold high, but if you got him and you got that good week and then you managed to get by out of a tough matchup against the Ravens getting 15 points. That's what I'm saying. If you bought low early on, Consider it a win because he's getting a lot of usage and the Bengals are running a lot of plays heading into this week. They had run the second most plays in football. Joe Burrow was top two in passing attempts and Mixon was top three in rushing attempts. So there's kind of room for everyone, right? R- room for Boyd and, and T Higgins to get his, their both of their fair share of you know, targets in the offense. And at the same time, Mixon. So no running back had more carries than him. 24. I know he had 59 yards, whatever. They still kept going to him. And then your point, eight targets, six catches, 35 yards. So eight targets, that's 26 opportunities for Joe Mixon. And he just got, like I said, another tough matchup. I do have respect for for the Colts run defense, but if he's going to get 
25 opportunities, you have yourself, again, I think he's back into the low-end RB1 or just a rock-solid RB2 for you. Nobody was treating him like an RB1 over the past few weeks. You you could have got him for RB2 price, and and there's nothing wrong with an RB2 right now with, with all the running backs that are hurt. Looking at the AFC North, do you believe in the Browns? Because it looks like Baker like cracked his rib or something like that. He's going for x-rays overnight, so I'll have more info on that tomorrow. I'm sure everyone will have more info on that tomorrow morning. I just don't know what's going on with him at this point. But he actually looked really good in this game against the Colts. Some bad throws, but when pressure was coming down on him, he eluded it very nicely. Like He had, very, he had a lot of command of the pocket, which is something you don't normally see from Baker. And by and large, he was making good decisions. I think like once Phillip Rivers is playing across from you and he makes so many terrible decisions, that eventually that just you know, through osmosis goes on to you at some point. Maybe that was it. You know, maybe that's part of it. Philip Rivers looks so fucking awful that Baker looks good, right? Rivers, two picks. This guy is, oh my goodness. Uh, hey, at least T.Y. Hilton. I mean, 10 targets, six grabs, 69 yards. In a game where they were playing from behind a little bit, maybe that's enough to sell T.Y., but back to Baker. No one, no one is buying T.Y. I know we have T.Y. We want to get rid of him. No one's taking him. I know nobody responded at all in the email in League of Leagues. Hey, by the way, uh, no, I didn't say Ty, but I, you know we have a lot of running backs. I mean, Todd Gurley had a yeah, good we, game. We, 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 we keep we, we keep sitting the wrong one every. We have four good running backs. We can only play three, and every it's week tough. every week we sit the guy it's who goes off. Lair, Connor, I know it's tough. It really is. I picked up Chenault and I played him for us. They oh, good. At least had us in contention to to win a week. Yeah, we need to sell one of those running backs. Maybe it is Gurley. Gurley had his longest touchdown on the ground. I think it was 35 yards. It was his longest one in like 30-plus games. But um, he had a good game today. Maybe we can sell him. Maybe we can flip him. Because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is at least a, a bit of a keeper for us. But, yeah, back to make Baker Mayfield. You know, new offense. I wanted to give him the pass last year with Freddie Kitchens and the offense. And now Stefanski and, you know, a solid run game, even without Chubb. Uh, you know, still were able to move the ball on the ground with Hunt and Johnson had a nice run there at the end to kind of ice the game. And there's weapons all around him, and he he spread the ball around great today. Landry, nine targets. OBJ, nine targets. Austin Hooper, 10 targets. He saw, you know, he found Higgins in the end zone. Kareem Hunt had a receiving touchdown. I like the defense, too, more so the pass rush than the secondary, even though they do have a couple guys that can play and like Denzel Ward, but they get after the quarterback a lot. I think the true test is this week for Baker and the Browns. Like, how legit are they? They're going to have to go into Pittsburgh and play the Steelers. So we'll see how how good they are because they beat Cincinnati, Washington, and Dallas, and then a Colts team who was banged up a little bit in the secondary. They were missing some guys with Phillip Rivers who couldn't get back in, but yeah, you know, this, Vegas. This is Houston, a this Philly. is a real problem for Indianapolis, by the way, is Phillip Rivers. Yeah, he does, all he has to do is he doesn't have to do much either for that team because they have a good defense. He just has to not turn the ball over, right? He has <laughs> Jacoby Brissett had to not turn the ball over. Then they bring Phillip Rivers, just manage the clock. We have a nice offensive line here and he can run the football. Just don't turn the ball over. He he is a big-time problem. This is why the Colts are never going to win that big game because when the game's on the line and he has to come back and win it or in the playoffs when it's tied and, you know, it's a final drive with Phillip Rivers, like how much confidence do you have in Phillip Rivers to move the ball? Teams are going to start stacking the box against Jonathan Taylor. Rivers sucks. <laughs>
He's awful. <laughs> don't, don't tell Jeff about that. That's, that's his dad. Jeff has to know that. <laughs> he, he, listen, Jeff should know a lot of things, but uh, <laughs> his heart won't allow him to see the truth in front of him. Uh, oh, it's just a lot, of, a lot of people just going into the week, just like, oh, the Colts defense, it's so good. Like, they're such a good team. It's like, they really haven't played anyone as of yet. Now they've played the Browns. I kind of feel the same way about Browns that you do, too. Like, just looking at this division, the Steelers are 4-0, the Ravens are 4-1, and and the Browns are 4-1. The Ravens feel a bit fraudulent. Despite, all of these teams feel, and they can like, they're all good teams, and they probably aren't going to make the playoffs as of right now. And even with four wins, what do you need to get to? Nine in order to make the playoffs this year with seven teams? But there's something about the Steelers that doesn't sit right with me, despite the fact that they're 4-0 for the first time in like 30 years. Yeah, I, I, think, th- I think they're legit. Uh, yeah, I, I love their defense. But, I, yeah, but, get... but here's the thing, though. Like, just look at the games that they've played. Yeah. They, they tend to give up, like, a big play or two, like a really big play or two every single game. Like, Slayton had a good game today against the Cowboys. He also had a good game week one against the Steelers. Yeah, yeah you, br- you do bring up a good point. This Maybe there's, a, you know, a couple holes in their secondary. They give up big plays. Carson Wentz was able to do a few things against them. They got back into the game. Looked like it was just going to be a blow in the second half, and you know they let them back in the game. But I think you know Ebron had a couple fumbles there. Um, I don't know. I still think that they're. I don't think that they're the team to beat in the division. I think the Ravens are the team to beat in that division. But interesting, Lamar Jackson. He has hasn't been that great this year, and he only had a couple. What does he have? Two, three rushing yards. He only ran a couple times. I know he was held out of practice with the knee, and then he was feeling sick. And apparently, he would have practiced on Friday if he wasn't feeling sick. But yeah, this they haven't they haven't looked as good as I thought that they would look. I, I feel like they just got embarrassed against the Chiefs, and they've just beaten up on on mediocre teams besides the Browns. So I, I still think they're the team to beat in the division. But the but the Browns are gonna. I think that they're a playoff team. I, I think that they are, and you know they'll play Vegas in a couple weeks, and maybe the winner of that will have the edge, and you know in terms of a wild card. But you know you get an extra team in the playoffs this year. I think maybe both of those teams are going to get in it. I like the Steelers. You know, look at their schedule coming up too. Like they should be Cleveland. They'll be. They should be Tennessee, Dallas, Jacksonville, Cincinnati, Washington. They'll get a good test against the Bills, Week 14, and then of course they'll play the Ravens twice. But I, I, th- I think they're a top five team in the league. Well, just with the way that everything broke down, yeah, they probably are a top five team. I mean, I bet them to win the division at the beginning of the year. I think that they're very right. solid. I just on paper their defense, and even when you look at the numbers, is going to rate out really, really well. But like I said, I just, they give up these big plays, and that kind of concerns me, especially with teams like Baltimore, who's have big play specialists all around. Like even if they were, I don't know, I was gonna say like if Philly was at like its full arsenal and everyone was healthy, like they have so many speedsters that they really could have given them a lot of problems, and they did kind of give them problems, despite the fact that it didn't seem like Philly was doing anything that entire game. It, it's really weird, like. Pittsburgh gives itself so many chances on offense because you're right. Their defense is really good. So they force a lot of three and outs. Uh, They force a lot of incompletions, which stops the clock, which gets the ball back to them very quickly. But then all of a sudden they just do kind of like boneheaded things. Yeah. Well, and, and again, that the boneheaded things today was, was Ebron was, was the, with the couple, you know, the catch and the fumble. And it looked like maybe, it shouldn't have been a, a fumble on the, the second play, but it, it was called that. So, yeah, it, they do give up a few big plays, and today they had issues with Travis Bolden. So maybe you're onto something. You know, maybe we should attack them in DFS, where a lot of people won't. A lot of people will just kind of avoid 
wide receivers and quarterbacks, and especially running backs. Like Miles Sanders had 80 yards on the ground, but 74, 75 came on one play. Right? It was a it was a third and nine draw play, and he took it to the house. Other than that, they've given up absolutely nothing on the ground. Uh, in the NFC South, the Bucks lose on Thursday evening to the bears but evans is hobbled godwin's not at 100 percent uh we don't know what's going to happen with the saints because they play on monday night the panthers win again and the falcons just you know are never going to win again it looks like dan quinn is probably going to be fired by the time that you end up watching this show or listening to this show so seeing it right now can carolina win this division or are they just kind of fool's gold uh, I think they're kind of fool's gold, but they're on the rise, man. I I really liked their draft, too. I know they drafted all defensive players. But they drafted some pretty good ones, especially in the first round. And the fact that they, what, all three wins here have come without CMC, it's pretty impressive. And well, Teddy Bridgewater it, looks it, like it, a pretty good quarterback. Yeah, well, Teddy Bridgewater does look really good, but... It, is it impressive that they've done it without Christian McCaffrey? Not to take anything away from Christian McCaffrey, but maybe people were right when they said running backs don't matter. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And I know for anybody who is like, you know, I'm not drafting backs in the first round, there's always somebody that we're going to be able to find. And, you know, Davis is, again, the guy who is the zero RB strategy, I guess. He's the poster boy for that type of strategy so far this season. But, I mean, CMC, there's no question, obviously, you're not breaking news here. CMC does, he is one of the best players in the NFL. So when they get him back, you know, I think it'll help, but at least they have a guy that they feel confident in. If they just want to, you know, scale back CMC a little bit, he always played a hundred percent of the snaps. I know it seems silly to not play him like 90% of the snaps, but at least they have a guy that they feel confident. And I think the biggest takeaway for me with that team is, is Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson did nothing with the jets. He had the same amount of yards after the catch all of last season with the jets compared to his first four games with Carolina. He was a beast again today. He is a weapon, and he showed this over the past couple of years with the Jets. I know a lot of people get excited about him as just a deep ball guy, but they're moving him all around. Joe Brady has done a great job doing that. This offense looks good. And like I said, the defense is just going to continue to get better over the years, so they, they probably have something there in DJ Moore and CMC and Anderson and you know Ian Thomas is young. He has a little bit of potential. It's a good team. They're obviously definitely better than Atlanta, but I still think Tampa and the Saints are better than them. So I don't want to call them fool's gold. I think they're, I don't think they're as bad as what we thought, right, Pat? Because that's why a lot of people like DJ Moore. He was just going to break records because they're going to be chucking all the time. Bridgewater is chucking all the time, but they're in every game. They are. I, I thought they'd be like competent this year because everyone just likes to go based on what happened last year. Like, oh, their defense is so bad. It's going to be the worst ever. Well, it's not good, but turns out it's not the absolute worst defense in the league. That belongs to Dallas or maybe the Jets. That if you can just be like the 24th best defense, then all of a sudden you're not so bad anymore. So I like what Matt Rule has done, and I could not have been more wrong about Robbie Anderson. Uh, just I thought he was washed after the last year with the Jets. Turns out he just played for the... Is the rule going to be that anyone who plays for the Jets, if they go anywhere else, like they're actually like five times better than what we thought? It might be. I guess that just goes to show, you know, how important coaches are and offensive coordinators and, you know, game scripts and scheming, all of that, because he couldn't do anything with the Jets. Nothing. They didn't use him properly. They just used, you know, he ran go routes and took shots deep down the field with him but like i said they're just using him all over the field right there he's lining up all over 
he's been explosive after the catch to have, I know yards after the catch is a, it's a funky little stat and, you know, you don't really have to take too much stock into it, but at the same time, like just the fact that they are getting him the ball in, in open space and that he has already more yards after the catch this season than he did all of last season with the jets just tells me something. And there's a connection there with him and Teddy Bridgewater. And you saw even DJ Moore was able to have a good game with, with Anderson having a good one too. So I, I was wrong on Anderson too. I had him ranked as a, you know, wide receiver 50 is a guy that you could take at the very end, but it would be the DJ Moore and CMC show. And that's not the case. Robbie Anderson is here to stay. I wouldn't sell high on him. He was a top five wide receiver in fantasy before this, before today. And he had what another hundred yard game. Yeah, I don't, great, know, I, I don't know if he's a top five receiver, but he's definitely a top no. 15 receiver. Yeah, he's a and, – and would anybody have ever said, th- said that? A wide receiver two? That Robbie Anderson be a wide receiver two? Heck, just call him a three. Let's be let's scale it back a little bit and just be cautious. He's he's a for sure locked in wide receiver three the rest of the way, and he was a, either a waiver wire pickup for you or a late round pick that you just thought you wouldn't even start ever. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is on pace for 4,672 yards and has completed over 70% of his passes. That's insane. Yeah. That is insane. I know. He, he. I was looking deeper into his numbers because he was chalky, and a lot of us liked him over at FTN this week. Is we liked his props is over, you know, a touchdown, over, you know, two touchdowns or 1.5 touchdowns. We loved his price on DK. What was he? Fifty eight hundred dollars. Obviously, the Falcons have something to do with that, but he's been good, man. And it, it's nice to see because he had that. What was his second year in Minnesota? He had that solid campaign, but he was never in that seventy completion percentage. He was never a guy that I would feel like could throw for 4,000 yards he was just you know he was an okay quarterback and didn't really turn the ball over that much and and this year he's chucking way more than I thought he would and he's been very accurate yeah 73 completion percentage 300 yards per game it's pretty impressive stuff from Teddy B and he you know he's using his legs a little bit too yeah I, it's a little a, bit just a little bit hey if he has to call his own number from time to time that's fine with teddy bridgewater just keeps it respect right the defense have a little bit of respect for that it's it opens up the offense oh absolutely just looking at some of the injuries right now from week five uh zach moss and this toe injury it appears like he's gonna play if that game happens on tuesday uh eckler chubb sony michelle all on injured reserve they did not play this week carlos Hyde did not play in the sunday night game uh, seattle's on by next week so no need to worry about carlos Hyde. lashawn mccoy didn't play philip Lindsay looks like he'll be back next week obviously they didn't play this week just so many weird like different amendments to everything uh christian mccaffrey could be back next week but probably won't be and tevin coleman could be back next week but also likely will not play deontay johnson sammy Watkins, dj chark aj green chris hogan all got hurt in today's game they exited the game they did not come back no word yet on their status moving forward michael thomas like we mentioned before not going to play on monday night football due to discipline reasons he was also dealing with a high ankle sprain so it could be a situation where it's like well we're on bye next week anyway so why don't you just not play this week either uh, we'll say you got into a fight with someone yeah he apparently punched chauncey gardner johnson who i'd never heard of before not gonna lie <laughs> um punched him and they got into a brawl at practice and and that's it so not gonna go i didn't expect him to go anyways just because of what you alluded to the fact that the saints are on the bye next week maybe just what's what's another week just to hold him out kind of the same sort of deal as Devonte adams adams had tweeted that he thought he could play he knows his body better than anybody else the packers kept him out they won the game probably win the game uh tomorrow night too and you know keeping him on the sidelines so i i still think that you know michael thomas owners could be completely panicking 
another week without Thomas, another week next week without Thomas. What's their record? Are they one and four? Are they going to go to one and five? Like what could possibly happen? It could be a buy low, but yeah, not a lot of ton of injuries. I didn't really notice too many impactful ones. Not as big as, you know, Julio Jones and Michael Thomas being sidelined. Yeah. Like just a lot of the same guys who've been sitting out, obviously like, yeah. um, Devonte Adams was on bye. He probably would have played this week. Julio didn't play Humphreys and Davis are not expected to play on Tuesday because they're on the COVID list, but A.J. Brown does project to play. John Brown is probably going to end up playing on Tuesday night. Uh, Alshon and Deshaun Jackson didn't play. Godwin didn't play. Edwards didn't play. Ruggs came back. Lazard on bye week, but he's on injured reserve. He's not going to play next week anyway. Like at receiver, there's just a long list of guys. All of this plus the snap shares uh, will be up on in my waiver wire column up on dkplaybook.com. Once that is published, I'll put that in the description of the video and podcast. So you can check out the entire list. I need to read through every single guy who's been on injured reserve for five fucking weeks. Uh, quarterbacks, Baker, <laughs> And Dak, those are the two new injuries. We'll see about Baker. Dak's probably done for the year. And at tight end, Tyler Eifert exited the game with a neck injury. And that was really it. Jordan Akins didn't play. Fant should be back next week. And Jared Cook is still like 50-50 for the Monday night football game. Uh, There's only one Monday night football game now, but there's also a Tuesday night football game. And I think that we actually have lines for those uh, at this point, which is really nice. Everyone's kind of leaning chargers on Monday night. I just think the Saints are going to cover. It's a big spot for Herbert, a rookie, prime time against the Saints. Uh, He's been really good. I think they're the right team to give the Saints some problems, but if they can block for Breeze and they get their corners back, it's just going to be a long night for the Chargers. Yeah, if Marshall Lattimore plays, it will be a long night for for the Chargers. Yeah, because what I said earlier, I mean, 47 straight games, the Saints haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher. That's very impressive stuff. I mean, yeah, they've given up some big plays through the air so far this season, but they've been just so stout against the run. And now you got Kelly and Jackson, no Eckler. You know, it's, it's going to be tough for both of those guys. I agree. Um, I wrote up a couple props and and just this game for for the Gazette, part of you know a little FTN deal that we have for the Denver Gazette, and I, I had the Saints covering. I, I think it is going to be close. The Chargers have been they have been impressive. I have been impressed with Justin Herbert, like I said earlier. Again, I just he does has have some pretty impressive numbers, but I, I feel like you know Keenan Allen has got this ridiculous target share. It's like forty percent in three games with Justin Herbert. They're going to focus in on on Keenan Allen, and so it's going to be it's going to be tough for the rookie quarterback. I like the Saints as well. I don't. I'm not leaning the over. I think it's 50. It's a lot of points. I don't think it gets there, but I think the Saints do enough. They probably win by 10 points. And then we do have a line for that Bills one. I was interested to see what that would be. I mean, what do you really expect from the Titans? They haven't really been able to practice. They have all these guys on the COVID list, and plus the Bills are awesome. You know what? I actually don't. There is no line in the Bills game. I thought they would have one out by now. I was, I'm was, i fake. No, yeah, off the board still. I think it's going to be three and a half Bills. That would be my guess. I would slam the Bills in that. I think that they probably crush them. Here's the thing. Just looking at what has happened so far this week, all the teams that we thought were going to kind of roll didn't, and I don't know a single person on the planet picking Tennessee in this game. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be different just to pick them. You don't, but I mean, we did get a, let, let, did get a lot of the favorites let, really did win today, though, besides um, San Fran and Kansas City both ended up losing outright. But let's not pretend like the Titans aren't at home and they're not undefeated. Yeah, and they, and they are. I picked them to win the division. I do have a lot of respect for their defense. And, you know, but A.J. Brown is not 100%. And who they, who they're throwing the football, football to? 
right? Well, but, 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 here, but here's the thing. Who are they throwing the football to the last two weeks when A.J. Brown wasn't out? Like, they're going to be well, out. Davis showed up a couple oh, times. Oh, great. So, 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 I, so I can take out Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys and replace him with A.J. Brown? I'll take that trade. Yeah, I would take that trade, too, if that happens. But we don't even know if A.J. Brown is going to play. Oh, he's going to play. He's fine. But and Tredavious White probably isn't going to play. Well, that, that would be a plus for A.J. Brown. That, you know, I still like the Bills. But that would be a plus if White doesn't play and A.J. Brown comes back. But, I mean, again, I just I haven't heard too much about A.J. Brown besides the fact that he hasn't really been able to practice and he's a deep bone bruise. How long is that going to keep him sidelined? So, I, again, we don't have a we don't have a line yet. I, three and a half, I still would smash that despite the Titans being undefeated. Yeah, that, that 49ers spread to me I thought was just because everybody was coming back. I still didn't think that they should be favored by eight and a half. Anyone just watch them play – Against the Eagles, it wasn't all Mullins. It, it wasn't that he wasn't the only reason Philadelphia won that game, but the fact that they lost and Fitz has been playing pretty good, I was shocked that that was an eight and a half spread. I think it was more so of just the old school 49ers. When I say old school last year, they're getting everybody back and Jimmy Garoppolo is coming back, but Garoppolo is one of the most over, overrated quarterbacks in my mind. Uh, I think he should be the starter there. I think the offense is best when he is there, but I just don't think he's as good as some people let on or, you know, the contract that he got, for example. He was awful. He was pathetic. Today. It was re- I, I'm, I'm not a big Jimmy G guy, but I've never seen him play that poorly. Yeah, he, he, looked, he looked brutal. And I, I don't know, in the playoffs, how great did he look? They didn't really need him to win the first couple games to get to the Super Bowl. I thought he panicked a lot in the Super Bowl. I, he, you know, all he had to do is make a couple plays to, to ice that game. All the respect in the world for the Chiefs to come back. But he, I'm not sold on him being, um, being a Super Bowl quarterback. And they, just, they have the defense. Despite all the injuries, they still have a lot of pieces in play to be a contender. I think he's the downfall that they have. I'm trying to find – can you find any – for whatever reason, there's a bunch of no props out for receptions in the Monday night game. Because I was looking for Keenan Allen receptions just to see how ridiculously high it would be, but they don't even have them out yet. They have Hunter yeah, Henry, I, they have Hunter Henry ones out, but they do not have Keenan Allen lines. I guess it's the I Mike, know, I, it's the Mike Williams thing, right? Yeah, I looked for yeah, I look for Keenan Allen too, even right now, searching our prop shop, which by the way is free ftmbets.com. Not theirs. Receiving total is pretty high, 75 and a half. I do like the the Henry four and a half though. It's plus money, one plus one oh five bet MGM. The Saints have allowed the second most catches, thirty-two, the third most yards to the tight end position. They've also surrendered their second most touchdowns uh, to tight ends as well, and you know, forty-four targets. Uh, teams are just really targeting the tight end position against the Saints, partly because they can't run the football against them. And with no Eckler, I like it. You can get him a plus 220 anytime touchdown, too. He's got at least five catches in three of his last four games. So yeah, I like that one. I don't know what the Allen prop will be. We'll probably get it tomorrow, Pat. I'd imagine it's probably sitting at like six and a half. You'd have to think that even goes over, don't you? Yeah. It, you know, Hopkins was at six and a half. He, he, we got it late, I believe. I mean, we got it late. JD McKissick um, would have just missed it by a half catch. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I the, just the usage that he is getting, a 40% target share is absolutely absurd. And that's that's what he's gotten over the three weeks. He leads the league in target share overall. And with Tyrod Taylor really not even throwing his way week one, I would even even with Lattimore, he probably gets it. Yeah, he because the rookies, you know, and Herbert, he's he's gonna really focus in on those two guys. It's gonna be a whole lot of Hunter Henry and Keenan Allen. And there wasn't a, a catch prop on 
Alvin Kamara either, but his receiving total has just been out the lunch lately. It's really tough to get behind it. 60 and a half. That's tough. I know he's getting a lot of the work without Thomas, but 60 and a half for a running back. I don't know if I can get behind that one. Paul, you have your hand raised from behind the camera. There is a Bills line out there. Oh, what is the Bills line oh. that you have found? Uh, minus three Bills. Minus three Bills. Okay, that was a half point off. It's a good guess, Pat. Bills. Yeah, I mean, a home. T- I just don't think that people should be. And this is a classic. Like it, this game has been fucked around with a bunch of times for one thing. Yeah. Uh, and then it's like it's on a Tuesday, so it's just weird to begin with. The Titans are already three and zero, and the Bills play the Chiefs next week. If there's ever going to be a look ahead game, it's this one. Yeah, when you brought up that schedule when we were talking about next week on Monday night, I I did think about that and in the back of my mind if it would be a look ahead. And you're you know I, I don't know. I think the Bills will take care of business. I, I just I think they're pretty sound on both sides. Even though I wasn't really impressed with their game against Vegas, I thought if Vegas was was healthy, they didn't have any wide receivers and they were down a couple guys in the secondary. I thought, you know, maybe Vegas could have won that game. But I will I will take them. It's just a field goal, right? I, I think that they get it done. Yeah, I, listen, I think that the Bills win too. I would just be pensive about like, I'm probably just not going to bet the game. I'll just sit back and enjoy the game. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I wouldn't consider it a lock or anything like that. It's no. just silly. So if, let's say the Bills win. Or it, well, we can play it either way. You can say the Titans win. You can say the Bills win. If you had to like power rank, or just say like these three teams are better than all of the other teams, who are those teams? The three teams in the NFL that are just stand out from everyone. Yeah, like is it the Packers? I don't know. I put the Packers with the Steelers kind of in that tier. I still feel like the Chiefs obviously are in a tier of their own. And then I think that next tier, in my opinion, would be like Seattle, Baltimore. I'm not going to lie to you, man. Seattle's getting getting pummeled right now. I know. Now. They're down. As I'm saying that, they're down 10 nothing, almost 17 nothing right now. They are getting pounded. Their secondary is is pretty bad. And the fact that Russell is not able to do anything against the Vikings secondary is – it's concerning, but you know, I was looking to their plus one forty to come back. That's it. That's that's the respect that Vegas they they could be down. They're probably going to be down thirteen points here at half, and they're still only live bet. They're plus one sixty five. That's kind of the respect, but I still put them in that second tier. Maybe they're in that third tier. Maybe maybe is Baltimore alone? Is Baltimore alone? I don't know. Baltimore probably, in my opinion, Baltimore is right there with the Steelers. Maybe not. Are the bill? Bills. Are the bills a part of this? Close, close. Like beer, bills are probably in that third tier with the Packers and with the Steelers. And the, then I feel like there's a bit of a jump there between Baltimore and those two teams. But Baltimore, they need to, as good as they are, they need to show me that they can beat a real football team. They're just beating up on trash right now. So are the Bears and Titans sort of like the fraudulent good no. team so far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bears. The Bears could have e- they could easily be winless. Like they had a couple nice comebacks, fulls to come back. They what was it, week one? Trubisky led them back against the Lions. I don't know. They beat a depleted Tampa Bay team late. I wasn't overly impressed. I thought that was more on the Bucks than the Bears. So yeah, I think the Bears at four one. Fake news. Um, <laughs> fake news. The Bears. Yeah. The Bills, yeah. fake news. I, I think the Raiders. Even at two and two, I don't think that they're like a legit team, but I think that they're a playoff team. Like I would put them right into that, you know, that next maybe that fourth tier with like the Browns. And they're uh, they're the they're they're three and two, three and two. Yeah, sorry, big yeah, W. They, they, beat, they beat the Panthers week one. 
Yeah. And now they got, you know, Cleveland coming up on the schedule, which is going to be big for them to see if, you know, they can, if they belong into that, you know, into that fourth tier. But I, I don't know. I look around the league and it's, it's the Chiefs, the Ravens. Those are the two teams that really stand out to me in the AFC. And then, you know, the Steelers close by. The Bills are close by too. And, you know, the Pats, again, the Patriots, what they were able to do last week, you know, with Hoyer and Stidham, they were they were really in that game the whole way. And if they had Cam, it could have been a W for them. And somehow it looks like they're only going to be out missing out with missing Cam for one game as of right now, which is huge for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned Stephon Gilmore too. No, didn't look like he was, you know, co- on the COVID list. He probably wasn't going to play. So I, I think the Patriots are, I don't know. There's a bunch of teams that you could make a case for a pad in that second, third tier, but none of them, despite the, the, the Chiefs lost today, none of them are on the level of Kansas City. Russell, running. I think it depends on how good Green Bay's defense is. If Green's Bay, and if how good do you think it is? I don't know. I, I can't really tell. It's not bad. It's better than I it's thought. It's not it bad. Like, it's middle of the pack. I feel like I think maybe has potential to be like top twelve. I don't know if it, it's like top ten or anything like that. If the Colts had signed Jameis or Cam, would they be the best team in the league? If they had Andrew Luck, what, but they don't have Andrew Luck. But they could have had Jameis. Well, they, they, they could have had no. They could have had Jameis no. or Cam. If they had Cam, if they had Cam, would the not would the Saints be better playing Jameis right now? No. Like, are we sure Jameis is like this turnover? Like, is the turnovers in his DNA, or is it everyone who plays in Bruce Arians' offense commits a ton of turnovers? <laughs> yeah, maybe Tom Brady. You know, he's he had the one game he had five touchdowns, and you know, on Thursday night he's forgetting how many downs there are with the game on the line. I, I don't know. I think that Breeze is the best for, best option for the Saints. They just. The Colts need a quarterback not to turn the ball over. It's you know, Jameis is not that guy. He's 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 just like Philip Rivers in terms of turning the ball over. I think he has more upside than him as a quarterback. He can push the ball down the field and make plays. They'd be a better offense with Jameis, but the the turnovers would would definitely still be there if they had Cam. Yeah, I would re- I'd be really feeling the Colts right now, and I don't want to take too much away from their loss. They were though Denarius Leonard, one of the best defensive players in my opinion in the in the entire league. I thought that was a big blow not to have him. He does so much for that defense. So even without him, they hung around in that game with the Browns. This is Rivers. Just take care of the ball. Need a quarterback. Take care of the ball. That's again, yeah. That's yeah, you need a, you need a quarterback to go take care of the ball, and you sign Philip Rivers. I know. It's on Frank Reich, right? It's on him. They he was the offensive coordinator. At the time in San Diego, they worked together. He obviously felt like he was good enough for this offense. Let's bring in, let's bring in Rivers, take care of the ball, game manage, yada, yada. Turns out Rivers sucks, like you said earlier. And then trying to pound it on him again. He's just, he's not good enough. So halftime in the Sunday night game and with the Vikings up 13 nothing. Uh, at least that's the way that it's going to look going into halftime. It's not quite there yet. Uh, last year, this is according to Warren Sharp, Seattle trailed at halftime in 10 games, and they still won 11 games in 2019. So they're most definitely winning this game, aren't they? Plus 200. It's not great odds, but plus 200. Uh, the spread right now, live spread, five and a half. I think they definitely you know, pull within a touchdown at least if you want to jump on that, but yeah, it's already plus plus one ninety. I might lie better right now as we're talking. I think that they come back, you know, halftime adjustments, 
Kirk Cousins to probably run the ball a little bit more in the second half, allows them to come back. You know that they won't be pedal to the metal offense. You know it's just not in their nature to do that, to chuck, to continue to score points. They'll probably play conservative. So, yeah, I, I, Seahawks probably come back in this game. Oh. <laughs> Watch Monday, and you guys can call me an idiot in the, the comments. No, no one's going to see this until the game is over. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're not going to be able to. I did want to give a special shout out here. Uh, Kelly Berglund, fan of the show, longtime fan of the show, just sent me a screenshot. Came second in the Minimax, the 50 cent Minimax, won 5,000 bucks on a 50 cent entry. That's amazing. Fucking congratulations, that, man. Yeah. That's awesome. With, that is awesome. With Clyde Edwards Hilaire there, too. So, he got Watson and Zeke. Slayton Cooks, Claypool, Kelsey. That's what I love about DFS, right? With Brennan Cooks. I know you laugh and it's easy to say about now, but how many times for me, I always, I always do it. You know, it doesn't always work out like this. And and good on good on Kelly for for having the stones to go back to Brennan Cooks. But for DFS, recency bias. When a when a when a guy was in a good spot last week, he was in a great spot to succeed. A lot of people were on him, and he did absolutely nothing. I think he had a zero. Did he not? Did he have a zero? He may have had a zero last week. Last, last week, yes. He, he was completely shut out. Yeah. And, and, and I could have come back this week. Wide receiver three is impressive. I could have played Brandon Cooks, but instead I played like Jeff Smith and Zacchaeus and these fucking losers. Ugh. Yeah, Zacchaeus. I, I played Zacchaeus too. I took a shot on him. How could you know? He was 34% his ownership in your, I think it was in your, in your contests, 34 in that one or 34 in the fantasy pros one, which is just a huge yikes. Cause that's smaller. Yeah. There's contests is smaller than my contest. Yeah. It's only like 150 people. It's just like the quote unquote experts in it. And a lot of people were on him and he did not do good. Oh, um, oh yeah, sorry. No, it's, a, it's, it's an experts one. I can see why I've never played in it. Not an expert. Trust me on that one, but you can play in the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Open. I don't have the link for week six as of yet. That usually debuts in the Tuesday show with Jake Seeley. That will be in the description. It's $15 to play, three max entry, and there is no rake. I think there'll be 3,000 spots this week, and they go pretty quickly. Uh, Mini, anything else in this week? Best contest in the game. Yeah, it's the best contest. I should probably get my golf one back, too, because... I can't just keep hitting the guy who comes in second place every week. It's starting to fucking drive me insane. But anything else from football week five? Uh, not really. I think we hit on everything, man. It was the big takeaway for me was just those wide receivers, obviously Claypool, but some under some underrated guys that were probably dropped. Preston Williams four for one Oh six. I just want to say with Williams, you know, I, I didn't want to take, I, I think I may have taken the loss last week on him. But at the same time, maybe it was just silly for me because this is a guy who only played nine weeks last season and led all rookies and targets and catches and yards and really was a big part of that offense. And then he had the major knee surgery. So a lot of people wrote him off after just four games this year. He wasn't really getting a lot of targets. I get it. Fitz drops back 45 and he gets three targets is pretty frustrating, but he is a good wide receiver. So maybe this was a sign of things to come. He could be hanging around the waiver wire, Rugg, Chanel, Kirk, all of these guys, Cooks, these guys that were probably dropped too soon could maybe, you know, be on the waiver wire can help you out. That was it for me, the biggest takeaway. And I think Fitz, I don't know. I thought Gary was going to join us. I was going to ask him if he thought Tua was going to play again. But maybe not, man. This may be the Fitzpatrick show, and they're playing the Jets. So I know he's a top streamer for you this week against New York. Yeah, my tentative early streamers, like I said, I'll have the entire list up on DKPlaybook.com once I release my column. I still got some work to do on it, Meanie. But I have, let's see, Fitzpatrick, number one, Dalton, two, Cousins, Tannehill, Minshew is the top five streamers uh, for next week going in. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Dalton is probably uh He's probably just a pickup. Like, 
in in my rankings next week, Fitzpatrick will appear ahead of Dalton. That's why I ranked them this way. But I think if you're just looking for a pickup for the rest of the year, yeah. it's probably Dalton. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, was, it was exactly what I was going to say. If you need a quarterback the rest of the way, you lost Dak. You got a quarterback on by. You're unsure of. It's just been pissing you off. I think Dalton has got the upside to be a QB1 in this offense. All right, that will do it. On the Pat Mayo Experience, Chris Meany, you can follow him on Twitter at Chris Meany. You can also check him out at FTN Daily and FTN Fantasy and FTNBets.com. .com at the end of all of those. Hit the description if you want to find the links to those sites. Code Mayo gets you a discount. Plus, there's just an overall discount for NFL going on right now. But there's a ton of stuff going on. It's not just football. There's MMA. There's golf. There's baseball still going on i think i haven't really been paying attention oh yeah meaning i'm i'm really hoping that the astros win the world series i i, I, I do i have the astros at 12 to 1 in the no, world no, series. I, I have not bet them I have, I have not watched a second of baseball i just want the astros to win that's all i want so me me too and <laughs> i said this on a show i have a show sticks and stacks it's just a baseball betting it's presented by mocking Knife fight so me and jen piacenti we go through some props and she's a big astros fan but i jumped on them before the season started at 12 to 1 just because of the value right and at that time they had justin verlander i didn't think the bullpen was going to be such a mess cranky could pitch he can't now i just thought it was good value for a team that yeah we all know that they cheated in the scandal but they still have really good players in their lineup and they're proving it right now that they can still have success. So I'm with you. I'm cheering for them too. And I don't know what that says about you and I, because there's nobody in the world that's cheering for the Astros. Everybody hates them because of what they did, but I don't care, man. It's a cool story. There's value on them every night, value on them again, underdogs today. Last I checked, they're up one, nothing. I don't know if they won the game or not. They were underdogs in the first two games against the twins. They were underdogs in the first three games against uh, the athletics. I've been hammering them making bets. I'm 16 and four in the postseason for anybody who wants to, I mean, like I can cool off at any point, but still making some bets and just jumping on that value. I think, you know, the, as much as people want to say the Rays and the Dodgers, there's going to be value every single time that the Braves and the Astros play. And I, I, I think it's going to be a lot tighter than people think. So yeah, I do have money on the Astros. I was thinking about hedging because I have the Braves too, as a, as a future, there's just no value on the Dodgers. So I'm with you. Let's go Astros and let's piss off the world. Yeah, that's more what I'm here for is that like sensitive <laughs> baseball Twitter. Oh my God, they brought that sack up the game. The way I see it is they were cheating to try to win. I want to do, listen, they got caught. They still won. Yeah. It's just like all yeah. those it's just like all those USC titles with Reggie Bush. They still won the games. They're still they, <laughs> they might not refer to them as El Champions anymore, but I remember watching them win. So that's all that really matters yeah. at this point. I, I just want to see these losers on Twitter just get really upset. It, it makes my day. Yeah, and it, and especially when it's and it's Yankees fans or Red Sox fans because they cheated too. Like they didn't get it caught, and it wasn't as as an ex, as extreme as maybe what the Astros were doing. You know, banging on trash cans, but. This kind of stuff, unfortunately, has been going on in the league for for quite some time. They're not the only team to cheat. They got caught. And you know what? A lot of their players who have, you know, talked trash like Carlos Correa, they're backing it up. And I, I don't know. I kind of have respect for them. All right. <laughs> it's so bad to say, but whatever. Right? Yeah, listen, I, I'm for it. I just want to see. I just want to see. These guys throw at their heads. Although if you told them any other sort of type of violence, they'd be like, oh, my God, I do never condone violence ever. But you should throw at their heads. They broke baseball. It makes me sad. Like it just. And you know what? The you know what happened? The world. 
I know, I know. I throw out their heads. Come on, like 95 mile an hour on their head. Like those people who say that should really get checked out before this, some of these Astro players like should get checked out. But what I've noticed, and I don't think this is on purpose because it's the postseason. You had your time. I guess you had your time to throw at them, even though most of the baseball was played inside the division. There was a couple moments. I think George Springer, like somebody threw at George Springer in, in the first inning, he got on base. What happened? He came around and scored. Like it's like it's you're playing a risky game by throwing at some of these guys because the lineup is still pretty potent. That will do it on the Pat Mayo experience. Follow me at the PME, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Smash the like button on the way out. Leave a five-star review and maybe. Maybe I mean, five star rating. If you want to feel generous, please leave a review for the audio podcast. I'll be back on Monday for a very quick waiver wire segment. You can check out my column up now on DKPlaybook.com. All the injuries, all the waiver wire. I will add all of the snap counts on Monday morning once I have all of the snap counts and add them all up. All right, that will do it. Thank you all for watching. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.